Well, hello there once more, and welcome back to another Reese Rambles episode number 40, I think we're on now. Uh, wow, episode 40. These are uh, really uh, creeping up on us quite quickly, aren't they? And uh, yeah, winter. Winter is also creeping up on us quite quickly, but uh, more on that in a moment. But um, yeah, if you are a, a video viewer of the Rambles, you'll no doubt have noticed that uh, the stuff in the background has changed, and uh, that's because I'm in my studio at the moment. Um, I had all the camera and everything over here uh, and my lights and, you know, I only own uh, one set of this stuff. And I thought rather than take it all home and, uh, you know, just to record a ramble and then bring it all back to sort of finish off the video that I'm working on, which I'm sure you'll uh, no doubt see in the background, I thought, why not just uh, get it set up here and uh, have a crack at recording a ramble here? So, um, yeah, I don't know if this is going to be a regular thing. I, I do quite like recording them in my spare room at home and uh, I do think it looks quite nice the way I've got it all set up. But, um Hey, you never know, I might do the odd one from here. And um, yeah, for the benefit of the uh, the people who are audio listeners, um, I've got some Atari stuff in the background, which should probably come as no surprise. Atari 2600 and uh, 7800 stuff. And um, yeah, this is still a predominantly audio offering, but uh, I thought I would mark the occasion. And uh, just while we're on the topic of video, just very briefly, uh, I did have quite a funny comment uh, last week. I did mention this in the video, but um, yeah. Um, I had a comment from uh, David Mostly eight four ten, who says your video software is making you look like a kidnap victim. <laughs> victim reading a ransom note as you sweat it out, lol. And um, yeah, yeah, uh, David, I think that's uh, that's a very fair assessment. Uh, I have uh, I have played with my camera settings again, which uh, obviously I've got to get the, uh, the color balance and stuff right for this setup here. And uh, hopefully I'm looking a lot less red this week. Uh, it certainly looks better on my screen and on the preview. And uh, yeah, serves me right for uh, trying to mess around with settings and things. But there we go. Um, yeah, I guess uh, I guess we should uh, get on with the actual ramble, I guess. So as I am sat here recording this, it is Black Friday today. Of course, famously the big shopping day uh, immediately after Thanksgiving in the US. And yes, we do do uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday here in the UK, uh, even though we don't do Thanksgiving. Actually, just uh, just as a bit of an aside, I was thinking about Thanksgiving um, just earlier, and I was thinking, isn't it strange how in America they have like Christmas and then like a month, but but like a month before it they have another Christmas. So they've got like two Christmases because they do all the same stuff. You know, you have people have the family round and have the big dinner and everything else. And it's like, isn't that a bit crazy? But then actually, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, no, that's, that's, they've got the right idea there. You know, you have your big turkey dinner and all that stuff. And then a whole, you know, a month later, uh, you do it all again. And that's quite cool. Um, but the bit, that I, the bit that I don't necessarily like it is Black Friday because um, the whole thing's just become this big cynical uh, scam, really. So, I mean, I, I used to work in retail sort of 20 years ago, uh, selling electrical uh, things, appliances, and that kind of thing for a big national chain. And um, yeah, we didn't do Black Friday at the time, really. Our, our big sale days were, were kind of um, Easter and uh, uh, Boxing Day, obviously the day after Christmas. And um, there, there are various laws around the way that prices have to be advertised and stuff. In fact, I was actually, uh, I went and got my hair cut, um, I think it was last week, and I was actually talking to my hairdresser, and she was saying that um, she'd had her eye on this, this playset for her daughter, and uh, she's keeping an eye on the price because she wants to get it sort of as cheap as possible, as you do. And um, she said that, you know, it had been advertised at a particular price, and then all of a sudden, a couple of weeks ago, um, she checked and it had gone up uh, by about £15 or whatever. Uh, which is quite a lot, and um, it's gone up from like 60 to 75 pounds, I think. 
And she asked the person uh, at, at the retailer, and this, this was a big uh, national toy re- retailer who shall uh, remain nameless, uh, asked the actual lady in the shop, and she said, oh yeah, it's going to be on offer for Black Friday. And uh, basically what they'd done is they'd put the price up from £60 to £75, and uh, then on Black Friday they were going to reduce it back to £60 so they could legitimately claim that it was on sale. Because, like I say, there are laws here in the UK that stuff has to be advertised at uh, a higher price for a certain number of days before you can legitimately claim that it's on sale. It's like a consumer protection uh, thing. And of course, all the retailers immediately worked out that, uh, yeah, all you have to do is um, put the price up a certain number of days before your sale starts, and then you can uh, claim that it's on sale, put the price back down. And of course, customers, not all customers are as savvy as my hairdresser. And, um, you know, they'll go in on the day and and say, oh, you know, it's £15 off that, I'll buy that now. And actually, that's just the normal price. Um, And yeah, 20 years ago, when I was working in electrical retail for a big national uh, electrical, electronics, and uh, home appliance retailer. We used to do exactly the same thing um, for uh, you know Boxing Day and, and the Easter sales and stuff like that. Um, you know, and and we we were actually kind of worse for it because we had them um, like you know like hundreds of stores across the country, and we, we'd have the stuff for sale at the lower price in only a small number of those stores and not really advertise it and you know just have it on a shelf somewhere and, and not kind of shout about it. Uh, for whatever the requisite number of days was, then put the price up and then obviously bring it back down for the sale. And we'd have stock, you know, we'd have like a particular area of the warehouse where we'd we'd store the stuff and, you know, that would be kind of uh, walled off and not physically walled off, but you know what I mean. Um, It wouldn't actually be officially on the system for us to be able to sell. And the whole thing was just really dodgy. Um, So yeah, buyer beware and all of that stuff. Uh, as always, uh, the cynical, cynical face of capitalism. Like I say, if they were doing it 20 years ago before Black Friday was even a thing, uh, I imagine it's even worse now. But um, hey, I don't want to uh, get myself into uh, any kind of a libel lawsuit or anything like that. So uh, I won't name I won't name the name of that uh, particular chain. But um, anyway, of course, it's also the end of November. Uh, next week, it will be December, which is it's amazing how quickly that's come round. I know, uh, you know, as we as we all get old, as we are. Um, you know, the, the years get shorter and shorter, don't they? Uh, the inevitable uh, march towards the uh, inevitable. But uh, yeah, um, that means also means that uh, I'm starting to get some headlines pop up on my phone about the weather bomb. That's right. So I just wanted to acknowledge this as well. Uh, by the way, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a regular uh, Daily Mirror reader. Um, it was just one of the first results that came up um, that mentioned this that wasn't GB News. So... Um, Yes, the uh, tabloid newspapers are uh, really having a field day uh, this this week, this past few days. Um, the weather is getting colder because it is the end of November, coming into December, and they're all talking about this snow bomb that's going to hit the UK. And um, yeah, uh, just like every year, um, we we have this we have this incredible uh, weather phenomenon in the UK. Uh, like I say, it happens every year; it's an annual thing, and it's called winter. And basically what happens is it gets cold for a few months and sometimes it's even cold enough to snow. And yeah, um, for some reason every year uh, the tabloid newspapers absolutely lose their shit over it and um, claim that it's some kind of apocalyptic weather phenomenon that's going to, you know, decimate the population of the UK when... um, Actually, it's just a bit cold. Um, all right, yeah, we are, we are living in uh, particular uh, political times where uh, a lot of people can't afford to heat their houses. So I guess it is. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's quite scary for a lot of people, unfortunately. But um, yeah, ultimately, it's winter. It happens every year, and um, every year they do this. And I guess they keep doing it because people keep clicking on it because they go, oh, "Oh, the weather bomb's coming." Have you heard about the weather bomb um, or the snow bomb or whatever the hell they want to um, 
you know, they, they want to uh, brand it as this year. I actually saw, um, actually, I was, I was on threads of all places the other day in the, the Met office. Um, who uh, do all the weather forecasting here in the UK? Um, they actually have a uh, they, they have an official Threads account, and they posted a video on there where they were actually reacting to this, and it was quite sarcastic. Um, unfortunately, I've only seen it on Threads, so I can't really link to it. But um, yeah, it was it was basically someone just kind of saying uh, essentially what I've just said. You know, um, yeah, you know, it's called winter; it happens every year. Um, <laughs> inevitably, the weather gets cold. But um, yeah. Um, so there we go. Watch out. It's going to be winter soon. I think we all knew that. So in actual retro gaming news, again, I know two weeks in a row, some actual actual news uh, to do with this thing that we do. Um, the Intellivision Amico is in the news again, uh, this long-running saga that is the Intellivision Amico. And uh, if you're not familiar with the console, uh, basically the Intellivision was, uh, was a games console years and years ago, like way back in the 1970s, one of the OG uh, games consoles. And uh, basically uh, a company brought it back. Um, I'm just thinking about the guy. Uh, there's so much history here. Um, Slopes did a great video about it, which I'll link to down below if you want to get caught up on the, uh, the kind of the history of it. But um, essentially, this whole thing has kind of smelt a bit like a scam since the beginning. Although they have shipped some physical games, um, but the console is still nowhere to be seen. Um, so yeah, all a bit mysterious. But um, Basically, a company is trying to bring back the Intellivision brand with their own console called the Amico. And uh, the latest development in all this is that they've run out of money. Again, uh, this isn't the first time. And um, yeah, basically, this, this was a crowdfunded thing. So they had their own crowdfunding campaign. Uh, you know, people signed up, they pledged their money. The money was supposed to go towards manufacturing the consoles and the games and all that stuff. And... Um, yeah, you know, time after time, the consoles haven't actually appeared and the company has run out of money multiple times and they've done more fundraising off the back of that and they've started selling physical games even though people don't have the consoles yet. And again, they've, they've just run out of money um, again. And um, so they've started another uh, fundraising campaign, although this one's... You do actually get something for this one, uh, something useful. Um, you know, but... Um, yeah, so uh, basically what they've announced is that they have a uh, smartphone app and uh, you can download this app and you can install Intellivision Amico games and you can play them uh, basically emulated on your phone. And that the money that they're raising from this is going to go towards the manufacturing of the physical consoles. Yes, another uh, another development in the uh, Amico... Um, yeah, uh, the, the Amico uh, saga. Um, but yeah, it, it basically says here, um, you know, this is on the time extension. Uh, if you're one of our valued Amico console pre-order customers, you can confirm your deposit on the site to enable access to Amico Home download codes for the console packing games as they become available on Amico Home for Android. Amico Home obviously being the uh, app. Uh, blah de blah. If you're a limited collector's boxed edition owner, you can register box edition, uh, get access download code for those games as they become available on Amico Home for Android. So basically, what they're saying is that um, if you're one of the people that's already backed it and um, you know pre-ordered these games, uh, then you'll get a code and you don't have to pay for the games again. Uh, but for everyone else, you're basically helping to um, you know fundraise uh, for those people. So the whole thing's just a bit of a shambles. I don't know if I've kind of got the wrong end of the stick here, but. Um, it's probably safe to assume with this stuff that it is it is a shambles. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to acknowledge that uh, they were up to their old tricks uh, in the in the news again. Um, if you're interested in that, if you want to check out the app for, for some bizarre reason, um, I'll link to that in the usual places.
So in slightly happier retro gaming news, or certainly for me, because it's something that's very dear to my heart, uh, it is the uh, 30th anniversary of the launch of the Atari Jaguar, or Jaguar if you prefer. And uh, yeah, the Jag was released 30 years ago this week. In fact, it was yesterday as at the time of recording uh, in North America. Obviously, Atari being uh, an American company, I guess that's uh, I guess it makes sense to uh, celebrate that as the anniversary. Of course, that original launch was uh, was was quite limited and it did take a little bit longer to kind of roll out to the rest of the world, but um yeah, 30 years of the Atari Jaguar. And I remember really wanting one of these when I was a kid, because obviously I had the Atari ST, which was the, uh, the obviously the home computer that uh, was launched in the 80s. And um, yeah, we, we, we got ours, we got the STE around, I think it was around 1991-ish. And um, we got the magazines, ST format magazines. And I remember reading, you know, they were starting to do previews of the Jaguar and stuff like that, maybe, maybe a year or so in. And um, of course, they were really hyping this because they, they had a vested interest in uh, trying to keep Atari alive because uh, they were publishing magazines about it. And, um, you know, they, they were really hyping up the Jaguar and sort of any sort of press that was coming from Atari, any screenshots and, uh, you know, previews and news and stuff, they uh, quite happily regurgitated. And, um, yeah, they were, you know, really hyping this thing up. And I, I think it's worth remembering, uh, the, the thing about the Jaguar is that... Um, People kind of look at it in hindsight and they, they compare it to the N64 and they compare it to the PlayStation. They say, well, you know, what's going on? The controller's not got analog sticks on it and, the you know, the, the architecture's a bit complicated to program for. So programmers didn't really, you know, the, the game developers didn't really get the most out of it. And the, the developer support support was quite poor from Atari and people didn't really get, get on board with it. And, you know, all these things kind of contributed to it kind of failing. But the fact of the matter is, you know, the, the N64 and the PlayStation didn't come out until over a year after the Jag was launched. And at the time of launch, the Jag was actually the most uh, powerful uh, home games console in existence. Um, and it's just a shame that uh, it's just a shame that it wasn't kind of better better supported and and that uh, you know that the architecture of it did did end up being a bit bit weird and a bit difficult to work with. But um, that's that's kind of how things were back then. You know, it, it was really kind of um, you know the the PlayStation and stuff, where where stuff sort of started to be a bit more modernised. And um, anyway, th th this isn't really my area of expertise. We're, we're celebrating uh, thirty years of the uh, of the Jaguar, and again, time extension because this is where I get all of my news nowadays because they're they're good people, and uh, yeah, uh, uh, full disclosure, I, I did write a book with them. Um, yeah, so uh, just uh, just an announcement that uh, the 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 Jaguar has been around. Uh, for for thirty years, um, of course, didn't last very long. Um, three years later, in '96, Atari was kind of uh, taken over by JTS, the uh, hard drive manufacturer, quite famously, and um, they just uh, the whole thing just fell apart. But um, one thing that they have published uh, quite uh, quite an, a nice thing. Um, just to celebrate the uh, the 30th anniversary over on Time Extension. Of course, I'll link to all of this uh, in the usual places. Um, is the, uh, the, the the basically the the best Jaguar games of all time? They call it best Jaguar games of all time, but basically just the best Jaguar games. And there's this kind of ongoing joke, and I, I I've been uh, I've taken part in it myself that uh, the Jag only has like two or three good games, and for a console that costs hundreds of pounds, because basically they only made like 150 thousand of them or something. So it's actually quite a rare console, and the the, the CD add-on for it is even rarer. Um, you know, so the the value of these things is is really uh, kind of going through the roof, and the games as well. Um, although there is the uh, Retro HQ flash cart, uh, which I can highly recommend. But um, 
Yeah, um, you know, there's this kind of ongoing trope of there only being two or three good games on the Jag, and um, they've actually managed to dig up a few more. So just going through the list, they've got Alien vs. Predator, of course, that's always cited as uh, being one of the best games, and and it is, and it's uh, also a platform exclusive. Uh, So yeah, great game. Uh, Well worth checking out if you have the Jag, and uh, of course there are emulators and things nowadays. Um, Battle Morph, that's a Jaguar CD game, um, but you can play it with the uh, with the Retro HQ flash cart if you want to, because that does support the uh, CD games. Again, another great game. Um, yeah, not really much else to say. Uh, they've got Battlesphere. Uh, they've got Cybermorph, of course. I'm not quite sure why... Cybermorph, it's one of those games that people... Um, kind of kind of mock a bit it, it was one of the launch titles for the jag but um I, I like it i think it's a genuinely good game don't get me wrong it would be better if if they had analog controls but um it didn't so um that was just how it was back then but um it, it give it a go if you haven't it it, it is a genuinely fun game and uh, obviously they've got doom one of the best ports of doom uh, it doesn't have the music but um, other than that it's pretty much Perfect, you know, perfect uh, port of the PC version. Uh, you've got Gorf Classic. I've not played that. Um, release date 2006. That probably explains it. So that's one of the later. Of course, there is quite an active homebrew scene on the Jag nowadays and some kind of later releases. Uh, lots of things that uh, were, were cancelled back in the day that people have kind of rescued and picked up and, and since released. Uh, Highlander, that's a Jaguar CD game. I do have that. Um, yeah, good game. Um, Iron Soldier, of course, a classic. Uh, Protector. I've not played Protector. Uh, oh, 99. Okay, so it's slightly later on. Rayman, of course. Uh, but anyway, the, li- the list is there. And um, I might... Um, obviously, when they did their list of 2,600 and 7,800 games a while back, um, I actually went through and did a, uh, a video on my second channel where I went through and, and kind of tried them all out and, and just kind of gave my impressions and stuff. And I might I might well do that with um, with this list as well. Um, I mean, I, I do own pretty much the complete set of uh, cartridge games for the Jag, uh, and like I say, the flash cart as well. So, um, yeah, perhaps an idea to uh, steal, uh, you know, steal an idea for some content there, potentially. But there we go. Yep, 30 years of the Jag, one of my favourite consoles, and, uh, yeah, long live the uh, Atari Jaguar. So last week I talked about the RetroTINK 4K and the OSSC Pro, which are scalers, which take an input from an old games console or computer or whatever, and uh, upscale it and, and kind of process it in various different ways to make it work with modern 4K displays. And the inventor of the RetroTINK 4K is a chap called Mike Chi, and he's a you know really well kind of well known and well liked uh, figure in the community. Uh, you know, great guys. He's done. He's done a lot for the retro gaming community over the years, uh, starting with the original Retro Tink, and then uh, obviously did the uh, the five X and, and now the four K and uh, various little bits of sort of FPGA based uh, hard scaling, uh, video scaling hardware for retro gaming. Uh, in between those, and um, yeah, very active on on Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called this week, and uh, yeah, so I was very interested to read that uh, Mike Chi as announced on X uh, just a couple of days ago, uh, has now joined the Mars FPGA team. Now, if you're not uh, familiar with, with, with the Mars FPGA, uh, if it, do you know what the mister is? Maybe 
Maybe I'll explain what the MISTER is. So the MISTER uh, is a big open source project built around a board called the DE10 Nano. And um, it, it was an educational board that was released by Intel uh, to teach people FPGA development and FPGA being a kind of chip that's like programmable to, <laughs> I'm going to use the word emulate, uh, other chips. And basically what this community did, they, they kind of spotted this board and said, hey, we, we, we can make this, uh, you know, we, we can use this to run old uh, console and computer games and stuff up to a point, um, up to a certain sort of level of complexity. And uh, yeah, people started making these cores for this thing, uh, making hardware add-ons with like extra RAM and different video outputs and stuff like that. And um, yeah, the, uh, the the Mr. Project kind of came about and it's absolutely fantastic. Um, a lot of the hardware on there has been recreated uh, basically one-to-one -one as far as the original chips are concerned on the FPGA. Uh, I should point out that that's not necessarily the case. Um, some of them are, you know, a little bit fudged a bit or, or whatever. So when people say, oh, it's not emulation because it's, you know, it's a direct one-to-one -one recreation. Oh, God, I've gone All-American for Thanksgiving. Uh, recreation of the original hardware. Um, yeah, that, that's not really strictly true in all cases. And Anyway, that, that, that's, that's a whole ongoing uh, debate. Essentially, all you need to know is that there's this little thing. Um, you, you can load stuff up on it, and you can run all your old console and computer games, and they run uh, basically exactly as per the original, you know, sort of frame-for-frame frame cycle accurate um, in most cases. Um, you know, unlike the kind of uh, software emulation that you get with like a Raspberry Pi or something like that. Again, so many caveats on top of this, and I don't have time to go into all the details. So, uh, you know, tear me apart in the comments if you want, but whatever. So that's the mister. And uh, a, a while back, and this is something that I've not really talked about, and there's, there's various reasons um, for that, because I'm still kind of getting my head around what it is and who the people are who are behind it and you know how 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 serious this thing is, and, and whether it's actually going to anything's actually going to come about, you know, come to fruition from it. But um, yeah, uh, the, the Mars FPGA project is basically it's basically that again, but a few years later, and based around more powerful hardware. So the Mister can kind of do up to uh, the the N sixty four is is kind of the the newest core for it, and about the most complex that it can do because you're limited to the uh, sort of complexity of the the hardware that the FPGA can handle. And uh, so there's a Sega Saturn core, there's a PlayStation core, uh, Zen 64, and then, you know, people are saying, oh, you know, you know maybe, maybe we could do like PlayStation 2 or Dreamcast or, you know, something like that. But um, the, the FPGA that's actually used in it um, isn't complex enough to be able to handle those those things. And also some kind of later arcade games. There are absolutely loads of uh, really awesome classic arcade games on there. Uh, again, you know, uh, you, you can perfectly uh, sort of accurately uh, recreated based on the originals. Um, you know, running the original code and stuff. But um, yeah, you get to a point with arcade machines as well. Well, obviously they've got to a certain level of complexity and you need slightly more powerful hardware to be able to run this stuff. And that's what the Mars FPGA project is. It's kind of a bigger, newer, enhanced mister. And yeah, Mike Chi, uh, the guy behind the RetroTink, and I certainly didn't see this coming, but it makes sense because he's done so much great work with FPGAs and, and with kind of graphics um, to do with, you know, retro games and stuff like that has officially joined the Mars FPGA team. And I think it's uh, it's kind of lent it quite a lot of uh, credibility in my eyes. I mean, like I say, it's, it's not something that I was really uh, keeping up with anyway. I was certainly aware of it. Um, I was also aware of uh, some noise that people in that community were making, you know, regarding the Mister and some... The, the, there's this like this rivalry and it, it it's sad really because, um, you know, they're all in the same boat and it's only a very limited market. But... Um, 
hey, maybe he'll sort them out and uh, you know put them all in their place and uh, lend a, an air of professionality uh, to it. But um, yeah, I'm certainly uh, certainly a lot more interested in it now. You know, I'm not a uh, not a Mr. Fanboy. I do have one. I have a, the uh, I have the uh, the Mr. Multi system. Uh, really, really happy with it. I use it for a lot of the captured footage and stuff on my channel, just because it's a lot easier than capturing from original hardware, and it's um you know it's closer to the original hardware than sort of emulating that stuff. So it's quite a nice. Um, yeah, it's quite 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 a nice compromise, um, you know, from from all directions as far as I'm concerned. But um, yeah, uh, Mars FPGA. So I guess I'm going to have to start keeping up with this project now and uh, seeing how it's developing. Um, I think it's still quite a way off being publicly available, and of course, development on Mister is still very very active. And um, yeah, it, you know, if if you've been thinking about picking up a Mister, I, I can definitely recommend it. Uh, you know, fantastic bit of hardware. But um, yeah, interesting news here. Bit uh, bit uh, out of left field, but um, yeah, it's uh, interesting. Interesting. I don't keep using that word. I'll shut up now. So that's pretty much all I have for you this week. As far as updates on this uh, studio are concerned, um, yeah, a video went out on my main channel, a sponsored video talking about uh, standing desks uh, with a company that shall not be named because I'm not going to do any more uh, for them than I was contractually obliged to say. But um, needless to say, I'm very happy with my standing desk. Um, you know, it's, it's been actually been really handy for filming and stuff. Uh, just being able to vary the height and stuff. Uh, so that's cool. And uh, yeah, that's that's a very rare uh, sponsored video for me. But um, I think it came out quite well. Had some good feedback off that. And uh, I think people understand uh, where I was coming from with that. So that's all good. And um, there's also been uh, also been a uh, supporter exclusive update. I was over here one night and uh, had to fix some stuff. I've also put some curtains up over the doors, uh, which are really great for acoustics and also for giving me a bit control, a bit more control over the lighting in here, uh, which is fantastic. So uh, I thought I would do a, a supporter update on that. That's that's out on my Patreon and um, uh, coffee and all that other stuff. YouTube channel members, and um, yeah, basically this 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 back wall, um, you know, the the wooden uh, cladding was actually starting to fall apart because I hadn't quite put it together properly. Uh, had some challenges with that. Obviously, with being with it being slightly warped because it had been in storage for a long time, and essentially, um, if you know, in that video, I take the entire thing, take the entire wall apart and rebuild it, which was a pain. But I'm very pleased to say that that was uh, that was about a week ago now, and it's uh, it's looking fantastic. It's not shifted again, and it's not falling apart again. Uh, more importantly, so uh, I think I've actually uh, finally solved that problem. Um, also, uh, just uh, <laughs> I had a message from the landlord yesterday um, asking what the big pile of rubbish was that I dumped in the next office, which uh, technically isn't mine. Um, Obviously, it's kind of part of this, but I'm not renting it as part of the uh, the agreement. And I have been kind of doing some bits of work in there for this, which you've probably seen in the videos. Um, you know, cutting the um, the cladding and, and various other bits and bobs. And yes, I had left a big pile of boxes in there that I was going to get round to chucking into the bin. But uh, he just said, uh, you know, by the way, if, if you could sort those out. So uh, that's what I've been doing this morning, just keeping him happy. And um, yeah, he's actually been in for a visit today. He was uh, he was bumbling around the. Uh, the site as he often does. Uh, so I obviously invited him in. Um, you know, he, he's really supportive of what I'm doing here and he, he really loves it. <laughs> you know, he's, he's worked in the industry himself for his whole life. So um, really cool to have him on board with everything as well. But um, 
yeah, that's uh, that's studio updates. I'm going back to uh, proper videos on the main channel now for a while. Um, I can't see any uh, big things happening uh, here. Obviously, the little bits like the curtains and things I have been recording, and I'm sure there'll be a, a bit of a wrap up at some point. But um, yeah, keen to keen to get on with uh, recording proper videos and things. And that starts with the Atari stuff that I have behind me. So. I guess I'd better get on with that because I need to get that recorded today and it's now uh, afternoon time. So um, that's it until next week. Uh, I guess I will see you in uh, ramble number 41. Bye.